Welcome, friends, to Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as Linda is going to say, in as quiet a whisper as possible, a show that helps you grow. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, we are uh, happy to be with you today. My name is Jason. This is Linda. We are on the spiritual growth team here at Saddleback Church, and we are starting a new series today, uh, going through a recently published book called Embodied, uh, written by Dr. Greg R. Allison. It is called Embodied, Living as Whole People in a Fractured World. Our team, the spiritual growth team here at the church, has been reading through this book, um, and we've just been just absolutely just absorbing it, just gobbling it up. <laughs> and so so we wanted to do a series talking about some of the kind of major ideas out of the book. Um, and today, uh, we are uh, thrilled. It's a very special way to start this series because we are going to be joined by the author of the book, Dr. Allison, is going to be joining hey. us today to talk about some of kind of the, the big themes, some of the big ideas uh, behind the book. What was the driving force behind the book? That kind of stuff. So um, we're really looking forward to that conversation. Just a little bit about Dr. Allison. He is the professor of Christian theology at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's the author of a ton of books, including Historical Theology and Introduction to Christian, Christian Doctrine, 50 Core Truths of the Christian Faith, Embodied, which is the book that came out uh, this this uh, past May that we'll be talking about in the series, and a whole ton of other books he's written. He is the secretary of the Evangelical Theological Society, and he currently serves as the book review editor for Theological, Historical, and Philosophical Studies Journal of the, the Evangelical Theological Society. Whew. Um, and altogether, um, as, as my friend John, who goes to Southern Baptist, uh, would say, he has a reputation for being a very kind, very smart man. So I'm very excited that we're going to get to chat with him today. Uh, so without uh, further ado, let's uh, join our conversation with Dr. Allison. All right, Dr. Greg Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time, and we appreciate that you wrote this book. <laughs> well, Jason and Linda, thank you for having me on this podcast, and you're the kind of people, and your church is the kind of church uh, for whom I wrote this book, so I'm excited about talking with you about it. Oh, that's perfect. Well, let's get into it, because I, I, I'm, I'm so curious kind of what led you to want to pursue this topic. So uh, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself, your background, and kind of what led you to pursue kind of, you know, not just writing a little bit, but writing a lot of it about about what it means to be embodied. So uh, many years ago, when I started my teaching career out at Western Seminary, I had a young man, we'll call him Drake, came into my office, and he was complaining about a number of physical problems, uh, gastrointestinal problems, lethargy, um, he, he couldn't concentrate right. He'd read a book for class and couldn't remember anything. And I just he felt like his uh, physical life was just falling apart. And he came to me and he said, Prof, uh, you know, what what it, what spiritual problem is the heart of my physical problems? And I said, uh, well, what are you eating and are you sleeping and are you exercising <laughs> and resting and all like that? And he did not like that line of questioning. 
<laughs> because he wanted spiritual answers. And I was asking right. all these questions that had very much to do with his physicality. And uh, so he was kind of rebuffed by this uh, line of questioning that I was pursuing. And, uh, and, and at a certain point, you know, he, he just said, you know, I, I want to know what is in the word of God that would be helpful to me to overcome my spiritual, pro my physical problems. And I said, well, actually, I think you have physical problems because you're not caring for yourself physically. You are literally mm -hmm. breaking down. Your yeah. body is breaking down. And soon you will be no longer good for yourself, your spouse, your kids, your church, the seminary, the ministry for which you're preparing. And so I really do think you need to think about some of the uh, physical disciplines at the heart of this. At that point, he just got tired of that. He stood up and with a huff, he, he marched out <laughs> of my office. That threw me into a crisis, though, because mm -hmm. here I am, a professor at an evangelical seminary who should be counseling people from the word of God. But I was really caught unprepared and mm -hmm. thus began a decade, decades long search for what does it mean to live life in this uh, body? What is a theology of human embodiment? Mm -hmm. So that's what uh, propelled me on this adventure. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm sure the guy, we'll call him Drake, Drake. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. was looking for you to say something like, like, well, you're not praying correctly. Like that was exactly. <laughs> yep. And maybe he wasn't, but that was not my line of questioning. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I love that. So you kind of teed up the next question perfectly. Can you kind of summarize for us? What is the theology of embodiment and why is it so important? So embodiment is about having a body or, or being an embodied person and living life in this uh, this physical world. So it, it's really simple. It, it, and it's, it's viewing ourselves as image bearers of God who God has intentionally created as embodied human beings. So there's another realm of created beings that are immaterial. Those mm -hmm. are angels and, and we're not angels right? Rather, we're human beings, and God has created the realm of human beings as his image bearers, and we are embodied, right? So Genesis 1, 26 through 28, God has this uh, plan to create a being more like him than any other being that would be his image bearers, human beings, and he created us. And what comes out? It, it comes out embodied human beings. Uh, Adam and Eve were uh, embodied, they were gendered, male and female, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. So this is what it means about embodiment. And so why is it important? Just to continue what I've just said, if we as God's image bearers uh, are disturbed about our embodiment, we wrestle, for example, with body image problems, mm -hmm. or maybe there's some gender dysphoria, or we've been traumatized, or, or lots of different things. We just, we feel uncomfortable in our bodies. We don't like our bodies. We compare our bodies to other people who are very athletically inclined and really buff and beautiful and handsome, and we're not that. <laughs> and, 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 and so we begin to suffer for that. I think that is then reflected in a negative view toward God. It's like, why did you embody me like this? That's just not mm. fair. And so it can produce a great disturbance just in our relationship with God. And then that's going to carry over in our relationship with other people and so forth and so on. Yeah, that's so that's so true. It's 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 so it's been very helpful to help people kind of understand that they're, you know, how we think about our body can have an impact on how we think about our relationship with God, even though we may not realize it, there can be yeah. some stuff going on. There can be, you know, 
So helping people, and, and as you said, helping people understand that there is these two different states, right? You talk about in the book, you talk about this distinction between I, I am my body and I have a body and there is, and there is a distinction. So uh, can you unpack that a little bit and just talk about like, what is this critical importance between understanding this difference? So I begin my book with this provocative statement. I am my body. Mm -hmm. I don't affirm I am only my body, but I am my body. So that, for example, if uh, I and Linda exchanged bodies, we would be very different people because mm -hmm. I am my body. Linda is her body. And, and that makes us very different people. So I am my body. Um, and uh, so the proper state of human existence is embodiment. That means I am my body. So. I try to move us away from viewing our body as something that we use as an instrument through which we engage in the world, as something that we steward, kind of like mm -hmm. we steward our time and our treasures and our talents. We also steward our body. I think that's really weird, right? Because I have a particular relationship with my treasures, my money, my abilities. Those are external to me. But I am my body, right? I, th that's internal me. So, so to steward my body, it gives us the idea that somehow we're removed from our body and we're not our body. And I'm trying to move people away from that idea. At the same time, I do want to affirm I have a body. Uh, so, so for example, Jason, let's find, let's say that you um, that you have a kidney that is uh, deteriorating, and, uh, and and so you're very sick and you need a kidney transplant. And let's just say for the sake of argument, you and I just are a perfect match. Sure. Uh, because I have a body, I could donate one of my kidneys to you so that mm -hmm. you get better. I can't donate both of my kidneys to you because if I do, I'm no longer in existence, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I am my body. It would be a problem. <laughs> that would be a big problem, right? Uh, you may live, Jason, which would be great, but I don't, right? <laughs> I let's, appreciate let's, it. Thanks let's for do win-win here. Let's do win-win. <laughs> so I, I am my body, but I have my I have a body, so I can donate one of my kidneys to you, but there's a limit to that because I, I am my body as well. So I'm trying to help people just think we're not people driving around in this skin tight race car, which is our body, <laughs> using it like an instrument, tuning it up like we would do a car and just using it in a way that we steward it. No, I am my body. And that's the way God has designed me to be. Hmm. Yeah. For me, this was, this was an insight that I had to really like, I read it and I had to read it again. Cause I think, you know, I've been in the church a long time and I've always thought of, you know, my body is my temple and I need to take care of it. I need to exercise and get enough sleep and eat healthy to keep it healthy so that I can do the things God has called me to do. And I mean, even sometimes when Paul talks about the body, it's almost, you know, like in second Corinthians four, where he's, he almost seems dismissive towards it, right? Like, well, the, God's glory is hidden in jars of clay. You know, it's just a jar of clay. It's not, you know, so kind of, of the balance of these two, you know, and trying to say, yes, I have a body and I steward it, but, but more than that, I am my body. And just what are the dangers of this incomplete theology of embodiment? So uh, just looking at that passage in Paul, Paul's really emphasizing the greatness of the power and glory and majesty of God and the gospel 
And in comparison with that, you know, we are really weak and frail jars of clay. It, it, it doesn't mean that our body is inherently evil or sinful. Paul does talk about the flesh uh, in mm-hmm. his letters, but more often than not, the flesh isn't our body, our physicality, but it's our sinful nature. That is a problem. That is the root of sin in our life. That's that corrupted sinful nature from which flows all of our sins. That is something that we should be highly concerned about and not at all promote. But I don't think what what Paul is making distinction between the flesh, which is our sinful nature, and our bodies, which, yeah, they are jars of clay compared to the glory and majesty of God. They are very, very frail. Nonetheless, that's how God has created us. So if we have an improper theology of human embodiment, again, I think we have a tendency to blame God or be disrespectful. We live in an attitude of lack of gratefulness. We're not thankful to God. And so I'm trying to promote that we embrace the way God has created us. We embrace our embodiment. We embrace all the things that flow from that, like our gender and things like that, and give thanks to God, be people of gratitude for being his embodied image bearers. I remember the first time that somebody pointed out to me that complaining about my body or being constantly frustrated with my body was basically saying to God, why did you make me this way? Exactly. And that I, that had never occurred to me. I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) You know, I'm complaining about not being able to wear this or look like that. And I remember putting those two together was really powerful for me because it, it changed the way I thought about even some of the things that I tried to do. You know, it's like, why am I worried about this? (laughs) Exactly. There's worry, there's anxiety, even our bodies. Then if we're disgruntled with them, they can become an idol. We spend three, Mm -hmm. four, five hours in the gym because we want to become more beautiful and handsome and buff and solid and all like that. And and so it becomes an idol in our life, which is the opposite of what I'm talking about. Also, we don't want to (laughs) so emphasize our embodiment that we over uh, play. We we overemphasize our embodiment. That that would be a wrongful uh, position as well. Hmm. So, so we've talked about some of the different struggles we can have with, with embodiment, going too far in one way or too far in the other. I'm just curious, what are some of the Christian struggles with the theology of embodiment? Is there, is there, is there pushback or is there, is there, is there something that makes it kind of hard for us to grab hold of this or, or accept this theology? If we go back even in pre-Christian age, we've got philosophy called Gnosticism that really elevates the immaterial part of us, our spirit or our soul. That's inherently good. That is what it really means to be in the image of God. And, And our physicality, that material aspect, our body, well, that's inherently bad. And so we've got philosophy saying, really care about your inner being, your immaterial, your soul, your spirit, and that body of yours, yeah, don't give it a second thought. It's going to be sloughed off at death anyway, so don't don't spend any time eating properly, sleeping properly, exercising, things like that, because it, it, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And that, unfortunately, that philosophy has infected the, the Christian church and has from mm-hmm. almost the beginning. So again, what do we do? We engage in saving souls, not people, Right. And we engage in spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. but we never talk about physical disciplines because we've mm-hmm. right. We, we've made this split 
between human beings, a divine image bears. The good part is the spirit or the soul. The bad part is the body. It's the it's an inherently sinful part of us. It's an obstacle to God's work in our life. It's an obstacle to sanctification, or it's just not as good as our um, immaterial, our soul or spirit is. And, and so we get really whacked out. We have this overemphasis or underemphasis on it. And, and so we really struggle developing a theology of human embodiment because of this emphasis, the body really doesn't count. Yeah, you know, one of the things that as I thought through embodiment and as I, I realized even sort of the lies that I had believed and, and some of the traps I had fallen into, I realized that almost everything in our culture sort of aims us away from, <laughs> you know, it, it's this unusual focus on the body, like we're trying to preserve it and, you know, make it better and improve it and and do whatever we can to, um, you know, it's this overemphasis on on um, the body being the most important thing. I mean, our marketing and our, our advertising is all about make it look beautiful and make it look smarter and better. And, and so having a balanced theology of embodiment, our cult, everything in our culture stands at odds with what you're talking about. And so how do we begin to shift our thinking towards a biblical understanding of our body? Not overemphasis, not underemphasis, but an appropriate emphasis. I think that question, excellent question, it, it already has a built-in answer to it. We want to develop a, a biblical view of life in the body. So it would be searching the scriptures like I did after my crisis with Drake and asking the question, what does the Bible uh, affirm about living life in this body? And I think people would be surprised at how much scripture actually does talk about uh, embodiment and life as embodied image bearers. And I think then it's also... Um, seeing that, uh, just like you said, our culture really focuses on physicality and sexuality, and we've got to be the perfect, beautiful, or handsome person, right? I think we need to say our culture uh, is wrong. It's emphasizing the wrong thing, and it's doing so to get us to spend money, right? Mm. And, and so to resist that pressure and to say to ourselves, you know, even if I do all these things, all the exercise and all the right nutrition and take all these, these vitamin supplements and all this, I am never going to have a perfect body. I am always going to be dissatisfied. So why this frenetic pursuit of the perfect body? It just doesn't work. And you know what? God is happy with us as we are. And sure, there's some things we might need to work on. Uh, we might really struggle with gluttony which may not manifest itself in bigness, in fatness. It just may be that we can't pass a McDonald's without going in for a Big Mac and fries, supersized fries and a big chocolate malt because, right, because we're gluttonous. So there may be some things that we need to work on in terms of our embodiment, but God has designed us as his embodied image bearers. He's pleased with us. He's using us as we are, as embodied people. He loves us. We worship him with our embodiment. And so let's be thankful for the way God has designed us and let's live into that reality. That's great. Mm, that, yeah, that is good. Um, I, I'm curious, as you've been working on this book, you said it's been like a decade pursuit of going 20, through- 25 years. 25, 25 years, years. Wow. even more. Yeah. Okay. So it's been 25 years of thinking through this and in it, it's culminated in the book embodied. What was maybe the most, I don't know, um, 
interesting or kind of engaged or like eye-opening part of the research that you did? Was there was there a piece, one of the chapters, kind of one of the elements of the theology of embodiment that just kind of like struck you in a new way? It's interesting. Uh, when I started out researching this, basically the only resources that were available were from the Roman Catholic Church, particularly sure. John Paul II, Pope John Paul II, who wrote A Theology of the Body, mm. and then people in the academic world. There was mm. no one in the evangelical world that would touch this. Uh, yeah. where, where no one was talking about it. And mm -hmm. so uh, so that shocked me, mm. and uh, which then also propelled me forward. What I think is interesting, at this present moment, there are five or six of us that have come out with books or are about to come out with books on human embodiment. Mm. Nancy Percy, Love Thy Body. Yeah. Uh, um, Preston Sprinkle has come out with one also called Embodied. It's oh, okay. on transgenderism. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine, he's a Lutheran uh, Australian theologian uh, who's just come out with a book called Wonderfully Made, A Protestant Theology of the Body. Mm. Uh, so there are a number of us who are writing on it, and, and it's like we're riding the crest of a wave, which I think is really mm. interesting. It's yeah. like God is coalescing these interests and bringing this, this uh, emphasis right now at the right time, I think, to develop a robust theology of human embodiment to answer a lot of the questions that are really socially and morally calling our attention. So, so that was really interesting. And secondly, as I wrote this book, I, I farmed out the rough draft to students and friends and family members. And if people read the book, they'll notice that I often uh, footnote mm -hmm. cooperative effort. Mm -hmm. This book is way better because of the collaborative effort. I want to point this out, particularly of women who yeah. said, you know what? You can't really say it that way. Or have you thought about this? <laughs> right? Because that's a man's perspective, right? And you've got want women to read this book and you, you've got to you know, ha broaden your perspective. So the collaborative effort for me was really, really intriguing and really exciting. So those are just a couple of things of, of how this book came about. Well, I was even going to ask what has been the feedback from your students I'm, I'm not sure if you've had classes specifically around this topic that you've done oh, yeah. I see you nodding so yes but I, so I'm just curious has there been specific areas of pushback or of questioning or or uh, of thoughts that you're like ah I wish I had had that in the book <laughs> kind of thing uh oh yeah so I my uh, fourth chapter is called the social body I talk mm -hmm. about sociality and, but earlier in, the, in uh, the draft of this book, I was calling that sexuality, the, the, this idea that we want to give ourselves to others, we want to receive from others. I was calling that the sexual body. And my students said, there's so much baggage in that word mm. sexual or sexuality. Mm. You can't do it, prof. And I kept resisting. Oh, yeah, it's, this is the reason why. <laughs> they finally prevailed. And I said, OK, I'm going to invent this word sociality or talking about the social body, this mm -hmm. relationality we have. So that was a huge change that 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 I underwent, given my students. What I love, though, with my students is is I've now taught this post book uh, coming out yeah. is that that class, I think, is th that course is the best course I teach mm. because given three, maybe four weeks out of a 12 week semester, the students begin to feel comfortable with one another, feel very comfortable at talking about their embodiment. And, and suddenly we have the gates open and people mm. are talking about traumatic experiences yeah. at, at the heart of why they hate their body, 
They start talking about same-sex attraction, gender dysphoria. They talk about lust. They talk about gluttony. They talk about sloth. We begin to cry and Hmm. lament for one another. We affirm one another. We pray for one another right in class. And like this, this beautiful thing arises out of this book. So it's been so meaningful to me personally, so rewarding. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just very thankful for it. Mm, it sounds, it sounds like what's so special about that class is it's really embracing the brokenness of our human body. It's, it's, it's probably one of the only classes that just specifically yep. focuses on the thing that is broken. You know, <laughs> we, it focuses on the fact we are jars of clay. Yeah, right? yeah, and, and right, <laughs> and we are broken. Those jars are not beautiful. You know, ten thousand dollar ones. They're they're mm. um, potsherds at this point, right? They're they're really broken. Yeah. But that's the beauty of it because if God doesn't use broken people, who does He use? Right. 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 Scripture does not say God uh, uses perfect people. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He uses broken people. And if that's the case, then uh, then there's hope for you, Jason. There's hope for you, Linda. Yeah. There's hope for me. There's hope for my mm-hmm. students that maybe even God can use us because we're thoroughly broken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we read through, I think my favorite chapter was on the particular body and especially the way that you went through and talked about the particularity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that that was the coolest way to kind of remind us of, you know, his humanity and his story and how each of those pieces played into who he was. And then I did the exercise at the end of the chapter where it was like, okay, Good. now, right? Okay. Yep. As an author, I'm sure you're pleased to hear that. It worked. Yep. But it, it kind of forced me to go back and, you know, what is my family of origin and what is my story? And it was really just as a part of, I'm, I happen to be in seminary right now and the introductory classes are all about, you know, self-discovery. And it was an interesting part of, going through that process and saying, this is my particularity. This is how God has, has woven my story. And it was just exciting to see how it's woven into where I am right now and how it has brought me to this place. So I loved what you did on particularity. And I want you to live out your particularity. I don't want you to compare yourself to anybody else. I don't want you to be like anyone else or model yourself. Oh, if I could just be like so-and-so. No, God has designed you, right, as you are with all your particularities, and and he's designed you as his embodied image bearer to play the part, be the person, do the ministry that only you can do. And no, there's no one other person like you. So, So in your particularity, God is using you to serve him, to love him, to worship him. So be you. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you, whatever the expression is, right? You do you. You do you. Right. (laughs) And I think that's according to God's design. That that may be a funny expression. You do you. But I think it's very biblical. Mm -hmm. You do you, Linda. Right. You do you, Jason. And 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 if we stop this comparison stuff and try to beat up on one another and be like one another, we'll be fine. We'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) We just have a few more questions for you, Dr. Allison. The. um, I, I wanted to touch on the suffering in healed body uh, mm-hmm. part. Um, we're going to do a whole episode a little bit later in the series on suffering, but I wanted to get your perspective for our listeners 
first. We've spent the last few weeks as our team talking about this because we did the suffering body and then we uh, just read the chapter on the dead body. And both of these chapters really kind of brought up these questions and kind of these observations from our team, just looking around how there's this view and culture to try to do everything to avoid suffering. Um, and even though that our bodies are broken, we try to do whatever we can, whether it's through medical procedures or whatever it is to try to help us not suffer or at the same, or it could be, um, like physician and assisted suicide to help to just avoid, you know, I don't want to deal with the suffering. I'll just move on, you know? So I just was curious about your perspective as you were doing all of this research and all of this thought behind the idea of suffering, what would you say to our listeners who kind of maybe thinking that same thing? Like, I don't want to deal with the suffering. And, and it, but even though that is, that is an element of what it means to be an embodied person in the, in, in a broken world. Huge area, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think we've gotten this, this biblical notion wrong. We think God's strength will be magnified in and through me when I'm strong, right? Mm. Because God needs a lot of help. And so if I'm strong, if I'm overcoming suffering, if I'm more perfect than broken, then I can do great things for God. But but the point of Paul in 2 Corinthians is that God's strength is magnified in our weakness. Yeah. And therefore, he would rather boast in his weakness and his brokenness. And so we need to uh, accept, embrace the weaknesses and brokennesses that, that, that we experience and say this is God's means of making sure that he and the gospel shine brightly because we're just jars of clay and there's nothing attractive or handsome or beautiful or great or perfect about us. And so if we really want to give glory to God and magnify him, then we'll embrace our suffering. And, you know, Jesus emphasized that we're called to suffer not escape our mm -hmm. suffering, right? But but called to suffer as, as part of following Him, and yeah. so we're going to suffer in this world uh, because it's because of of sin and fallenness, and we're going to suffer because of persecution. That's just par for the course. At the same time, I don't think we ever want to adopt a posture where we just cave in and give in easily to suffering, such that we we don't fight against it where it's proper to battle against suffering. We don't want mm. people to be abused. We don't want spousal abuse. We don't want molestation of kids. They go, well, this is just part of the suffering in the world. No, 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 it's not, right? So it, it's not becoming passive recipients and uh, of, of uh, suffering and just putting up with it. If we have the opportunity to stand against suffering and, and, and fight for uh, fight against suffering. I say let's let's take every advantage that we can of that. Let's not just accept it because woe is me, and that's the way it has to be. Sure. I I just I just have one last question. Thank you so much for your time. I just want if you I just wanted to give kind of a if you were to tell the church one reason, just kind of a a here's what I want to leave you about this topic of embodiment. Um, what would your charge for the church be and for us as Christians to kind of, you know, to, to embrace this idea? Yeah. To sum it up, maybe in one sentence, the proper state 
of our human existence is embodiment. So I am my body. If we reflect on that, we see ourselves as designed by God to be his embodied image bearers. I think it does reorient our entire worldview in a very different way. We're not elevating the soul or spirit and considering the body to be inherently evil or an obstacle to God's plan. We really are caring for ourselves, not instrumentally or just taking doing stewardship of our body, but, but caring for ourselves as embodied image bearers. We're relating to one another out of a thankfulness for God's creation of us as men and women. We're, we're able to relate to one another in very healthy, God-honoring, and other respecting ways. I just think it changes our whole view of life. It, it has for me, I hope it is for uh, people who would uh, look at this book. Definitely. And it definitely has for us. Our team has just been eating this up and we're Good. excited <laughs> excited to continue to talk about it. So for those of you who are listening, make sure to check out this book, Embodied, Living as Whole People in a Fractured World we will put the link to it in the show notes or in the description. So make sure to check that out, buy the book, because you're going to want it as we are moving forward. We got a few more weeks talking about this. We're going to dive deep into a few of the different areas that we talked about with Dr. Allison and a few other areas that are talked about in the book. So thank you so much for your time, Dr. Allison. We really appreciate it. And just thank you for taking, you know, taking that step into an area that hadn't been thoroughly or properly explored <laughs> and for leading the charge. You said there's a few other books about the topic that are coming out right now, but, but you were in this first group writing this wave, like you mentioned. So, so thank you for doing that legwork for us. Well, well, thanks. Uh, thanks for, for noting that. And it's, it was a joy writing the book and I'm glad that people are going to be benefited by it, but I really especially appreciate you, Jason and you, Linda, for great interaction, just great questions and the opportunity to talk about this with you too. Oh, well, we appreciate your time. And if you if you are going to Southern Bat or 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 you are thinking of, of going to Southern, make sure to check out Dr. Allison's classes. <laughs> Very good. Yes, thanks. There yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. Thank you so much. We love you, and uh, we will be back with you guys again to continue our journey in Embodied next week. We'll talk to you later. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week